Chapter 192 of Varney the Vampire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Varney the Vampire, Volume 3, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter 192 The Meeting in the Morning at the Hotel. The Preparations of the Attorney. It is no less than strange the difference that takes place in people's feelings with regard to precisely the same circumstances in the morning from what they really felt and thought in the evening and when the shadows of night were upon them. This mental phenomenon was not wanting in the case of Mr. Lake. He felt as he rose the next day, and the sun was shining in at the window of his bedroom, most thoroughly ashamed of his fears and his nervous tremors of the preceding night. His wife saw with a smile the change in his feelings. "'You are no longer,' she said, "'afraid of the vampire.' "'Oh, say no more about it,' was his reply. "'I shall go immediately, after breakfast, and see Mr. Miller, "'and with him make such arrangements "'as will bring the affair upon which we have set our hearts to a crisis, "'and while I am gone you can instruct our son in what he has to do. "'I will.' "'The breakfast passed over in rather a constrained manner. "'Mrs. Lake had made an attempt to persuade Annetta that she was really too unwell to get up for an hour or two, but that Annetta would not submit to, as she felt herself, notwithstanding all her sufferings and all her fright, really capable of rising. The consequence was that she appeared at the breakfast-table, and stopped most effectually anything in the shape of a confidential discourse taking place among the lakes. The meal, therefore, passed off rather silently, and there were only a few remarks made, incidentally, about the preceding night's alarm. Annetta was evidently in a state of great nervousness, as well she might be, for the idea that she would be again subjected to the frightful visits of the vampire was ever present to her, and she was denied the consolation which the letter of Varney might, and most probably would, have given her. After the morning meal, Mr. Lake gave his wife a significant look to intimate that he was then going to Mr. Miller's, and that in his absence she was to play her part. She perfectly understood him, and nodded in return, and thus this worthy pair separated. We will follow Mr. Lake. The attorney did not live in one of the most respectable haunts of the profession, but he was a man of his word, and by the time Mr. Lake reached his chambers he was there, it being then not much above ten o'clock. There was some delay in admitting Mr. Lake to the private room of the attorney, and he thought that the clerk who was in the outer office looked a little confused. "'Is anybody with Mr. Miller?' asked Lake. "'Yes. That is to say, I, I mean no.' "'A strange answer. Yes, and you mean no. "'Why, sir, I, I only meant that Mr. Miller was rather busy, "'and we are so much in the habit, when that is the case, "'of saying that he has someone with him, that it slipped out unawares. "'Only as we would not deceive you, sir, for the world, "'you understand that that was why you perceive, sir, "'that, in a manner of speaking, I corrected myself.' This explanation was rather more wordy than satisfactory to Mr. Lake. However, for want of a better, he was compelled to put up with it, and he said nothing, but waited with the most exemplary patience until Mr. Miller's bell rang. The clerk answered it, and in a few moments returned to say that Mr. Miller had got through a legal document he had been engaged upon, and that he much regretted having kept Mr. Lake waiting, but was then quite at his disposal. Now Lake could have sworn that he had heard the sound of a voice from the private room of the attorney, and he consequently did not feel quite easy. When he went in he found Mr. Miller with a number of letters before him. "'Ah, my dear sir,' cried the lawyer, "'sit down.' "'Thank you. I thought somebody was with you.' 
"'Oh, dear, no, not at all. I was going through a lease, you see, and from long experience in such matters, I have found that I have a better and clearer understanding of the matter if I read it aloud to myself. But perhaps that is only a peculiarity of mine. Then it was your voice I heard just now?' Mr. Lake's suspicions were about half removed, certainly not more than half, but he could say no more about it, although he cast now and then suspicious glances round the room. Yet, if he had been asked what he was suspicious of, he would hardly have been able to give a clear and understandable answer to the question. It is one of the curses of conscious guilt ever to live in an atmosphere of doubt and dread, and to the full did Mr. Lake feel that curse. Well, Mr. Miller, he said, after a pause, I have called upon you to say that I hope it will suit your convenience to settle a little affair to-day at twelve o'clock at the hotel. Twelve, let me see, twelve. Not at the hotel, my dear sir, I am compelled to be in chambers in case of a letter coming on very particular business, but if you will bring her here, I can manage it very nicely. If she don't leave this place with the conviction that she has a father in London, I'll eat my boots. Well, I don't see why we should not come here, as you give me a great satisfaction, Mr. Miller, by avowing yourself to be so confident of the result. I am as confident as that I sit on this three-legged stool. Good, then you may depend upon our coming here at twelve o'clock precisely. There will be myself, Mrs. Lake, my son, and the young lady. Mind, she is no fool. She must be perfectly overwhelmed with proofs of what we wish to make her believe. Exactly, that she is not the daughter of Lord Lake, but a mere changeling imposed upon him as his own child, the said own child being dead. Precisely. Agreed, sir, agreed. With respect to my reward, I have been thinking that I should like, you know, to have some acknowledgment. You tell me you have no money now, but that this obstacle once removed, you will come in for all the Lake estates, and that Lord Lake cannot live long. That's the state of the case. Then, sir, will you give me a note for two thousand pounds, payable on demand? On demand? Yes, of course it would be needless folly of me to present it until you have the money, you know. True, true. We need not pursue the conversation further, but satisfy the reader by stating the result, which was that the attorney got the note for two thousand pounds from Lake, likewise a paper signed, which admitted the debt more fully still, and effectually barred Lake from objecting to any proceedings on account of want of consideration for the promissory note, or that it had not been fairly obtained of him, pleas which might have inconvenienced Mr. Miller if he chose to pursue Lake for the amount. In the meantime Mrs. Lake had not been idle, but had spoken to her booby and cowardly son, making him aware of what he had to do in the business, namely, to shew his great disinterestedness in taking for his wife Annetta after she was supposed to be proved not the daughter of Lord Lake, but quite a different personage, and altogether destitute of pecuniary resources. He managed pretty well always to understand any villainy, and so entered life and soul into the scheme of his mother. Ah, I like that a monstrous deal better than keeping watch for a vampire, which is a sort of job that don't at all suit such a constitution as mine, do you see? Mrs. Lake, not being aware of the alteration of arrangements by which they were all to proceed to the lawyer's chambers, instead of coming to the hotel, took no trouble with Annetta, conceiving that it would perhaps be better at twelve o'clock, when the parties were assembled, to take her by surprise, than to say anything to her beforehand, which might have the effect of preparing her for what was to come, and so getting up a spirit of resistance and of inquiry, which it might be difficult to resist or satisfactorily to meet. When Mr. Lake came home from Gray's Inn, she was made aware of the alteration, and consultations ensued as to how Annetta was to be got there at all. At length, after several modes of managing the matter had been discussed, Mrs. Lake said, 
You two can walk there, and then I can say to Annetta that I am going for a drive and to make a few purchases, so that she will have no objection to go with me for an airing, and I will take good care to be with you at the hour of twelve. That will do prime, said the son. Leave mother alone for managing things. Well, said Mr. Lake, it shall be so. I don't see any objection to the scheme, nor can I suggest a better one, so we will look upon that as settled. All you have to do, turning to his son, is to play your part well. Oh, never fear me. I like the girl, and I like money. End of chapter 192 Read by Richard Wallace, Liberty, Missouri, 7 April 2010